Thanks for checking out this Church in the City podcast. In our series, Built by Jesus, The Essentials of Local Church, we're examining how we as the local church can prepare to partner with God for fruitfulness. Good morning. It's so good to be here with you guys today. I uh, want to let you know I'm going to start with a little bit of a confession. This is time for gasping, you know. It's nothing bad, don't worry. I, uh, as I was preparing this preach, I was actually thinking, I was like, you know, I'm going to try to keep people's attention and I'm going to try to come up with some, you know, metaphors and some imagery so that people can kind of stay engaged. And as I was doing that, I was praying and God said, you know, Matt, this is not a TED Talk. I have something to say to our people. And I was like, oh, okay, okay. I was like, I was, I was, I was rebuked, but it was great because as I heard that, Actually, this weight kind of came off my shoulders because I was like, you know, it's not up to me to convince you of anything. I don't have a perspective or opinion to share. I'm not trying to guide you in one way or another, but the Lord of all hosts has a word for you today. And so that took the pressure off me, but it puts a little bit more responsibility on you (laughs) because as things are being shared, you know, if you feel your heart being opened or touched by something, then let it go. Let God continue to work in that. Don't resist it, you know. Just say, does, is this something that God has for me? So, we, this is the fourth uh, part of our series and final part of our series, Built by Jesus, the church being built up. And we, in week one, Steve talked about how the church was God's plan for transforming our world, right? There's this cosmic plan that he's doing through us as a church. Um, after that, James talked about the importance of gathering, just like today, where we come together and something special is released as we come together. Um, and then Hugh, last week, he had powerfully, in a practical way, talked about commissioning, where we co-mission with Jesus, and we share in that mission, and we, and we took a step of faith, and we actually commissioned people right then and there, and people could practically see it, which, was, which was, I thought was wonderful. And today, I'm going to be talking about shepherding. So the interesting thing about this word that we have today is, I really feel God calling us a step into more, that his heart for shepherding is to bring us to more and to greater and more wonderful things for us. But in order to do that, um, there are, I think, four, three th- kind of things I'm going to guide us into. Is one, realizing we're sheep, which is not always so easy to do. Uh, two, having a revelation of God as the great shepherd. And three, recognizing the under-shepherds that he's given us as, as a body and as a community as we gather together. So step one, we're sheep. So I'm sorry to break that to you. This, this is, it's still a bitter pill for me to swallow, i got to be honest with you. I think everything in the culture, everything in me is like, I don't want to be a sheep. I don't, I don't like that. That connotation is, doesn't sound very good. As I grew up in America, you know, people kind of ridicule sheep, you know. I mean, they easily go astray. They go here. They need a shepherd guiding them. And I was like, God, I don't want to be a sheep. I want to be like, you know, like Jason Bourne or something, you know, where... <laughs> You come in, and it's like me against this whole society and government, and I'm just going to take them all down. Or, or like Rambo, where I just, one-man army, you know, just takes down everyone just by myself, you know. And God was like, no, you're, you're pretty much not Rambo, you know. You're, you are definitely a sheep, definitely most, definitely sheep. Maybe Lambo, but not Rambo. Not Rambo, definitely not Rambo. And my wife was quick to remind me of that. She was like, I'm sorry to break it to you, buddy, but... You're, you're not Rambo. And so, but I, I was wrestling with why am I struggling with, with being a sheep? Why, why is that so hard for me? And, and I realized for me it was this feeling that I wasn't in control of my own destiny. 
that I wanted to be in control of where, where I'm going and where, where I'm heading. And, and uh, I struggled with that. And so as I was looking at the Bible, interestingly, God references sheep over 220 times in the Bible. It's, it's, it's actually, it's almost silly how often he talks about sheep. But it's like obviously the most common animal that he talks about. But oftentimes he, he refers to us as sheep. Um, but he doesn't just refer to us. He refers to himself as the Lamb of God, which at first just kind of took me down a peg. Where I was like, wait a minute, hold on a second. I'm struggling with being called a sheep, but God, the God of all the universe, refers to himself as a lamb, as a baby sheep. And that just right away kind of put me down a peg so that I was open to listening. And then the next thing that he told me was Isaiah 53, 6. We all, like sheep, have gone astray. We all have turned, every one of us, to our own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquities of us all. Hundreds and hundreds of years before the Christ came, he talked to us about our nature and about how he was going to save us from ourselves. And this is the same verse where he says, he was pierced for our transgressions. Um, he, our, the iniquity of us all was put on him. And in that, he talks about how we all go astray. And I realized that that same feeling of wanting to be in control of my own destiny was exactly why I was a sheep. I wanted to be in control, and I was going my own way. And I've seen that countless times. Times when I would have made decisions that would have just completely unraveled what God had for me. Times where I have done that, and God had to guide me back. And he, he brought me back from the wilderness. Times where I almost got into car accidents, and God shepherded me away from that, and he protected me. And then I realized that, wait a minute, I, I want to be a part of this flock, because if he is the great shepherd, if this is the shepherd that's guiding me, all of a sudden, I don't feel so bad about being a sheep. And just denying my sheepiness, all that meant was that I was shepherded by someone else. The world was just shepherding me then. The same reason why I didn't want to be a sheep was because someone told me not to be a sheep. You know? I was like, this is so ironic that I'm, I'm being confused and led astray and, and like I'm being completely outwitted here. And I realized that my employers want to shepherd me in a certain way. Our, you know, our society, our government, everyone wants to show, they all have a plan for your life, right? And, and that may or may not be good for you, right? But God has a plan for our lives. And that great shepherd has a plan greater than any plan that you or I could come up with. And I've seen that, and I think you've seen that, that I'm so content with these plans, but God has so much more for us. You know, Psalm 23 talks about how God is our shepherd, he um, that I have, no, I, I have nothing to want because of him. That he makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. That's the heart of God. You know, that, that idea of making us lie down in green pastures, I always used to look at that in a way that it, the shepherd's like pushing sheep down. I mean, that's mean. Why is the shepherd pushing poor sheep around, you know? And I realized the shepherds don't do that. You know, as I was researching, I did extensive research on shepherding. <laughs> It was, it, was, it, was, it was eye-opening, I would tell you. But, but the, the way shepherds do that is they just create an environment of peace and safety. That's all they do. And when sheep feel comforted and when they feel safe, when they feel protected, they lie down because they don't have to worry about wolves. They don't have to worry about someone else taking them or stealing them away. You know? And that's what God does to us. He helps us to realize that we're safe. He has a plan that plan is better than my plan or your plan, that he is guiding us in green pastures and still waters. 
And once I settled that in my heart, I embraced being a sheep. I realized that if he is the good shepherd, then I would gladly be a sheep. <clears throat> Just a little bit more about the great shepherd is two verses that I found. One in Isaiah 40, 10 to 11. And again, this is just the heart of God coming through. He tends his flock like a shepherd. He gathers the lambs in his arms and carries them close to his heart. He gently leads those who have young. And this was hundreds and hundreds of years before Jesus even came. And I was just, I was struck by the incredible nature of that prophecy, right? That over thousands of years, God is pointing towards his uh, um, plan of salvation to free us from ourselves, to guide us, to shepherd us. And then thousands of years after that, we're going to go into Revelation where it talks about in Revelation 7.17, for the lamb at the center of the throne will be their shepherd. He will lead them to springs of living water and God, God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. That even after the resurrection, even with God sitting on the, in, in, on the throne and all the creatures worshiping him and heaven and earth, bowing their knee before Jesus Christ, he still refers to himself as the Lamb of God. Even with power, he references himself as a lamb. That just shows us the tenderness of his heart for each of us. That he doesn't lord it over us, that he's not trying to control us, he's not trying to force us, but he wants to shepherd us. He wants to lead us to rivers of living water. And when I see that heart, and I see that incredible story over thousands and thousands of years, I realized, I mean, I was just taken aback again about this, how, how God did it. That, you know, you, you, sometimes I'll watch a movie and there'll be like the prophecy of the chosen one is coming and all of these things. And, and I'm like, oh, the chosen one is coming, you know. And I realized that came from here. You know, there's no other religion that talks about this prophecy that has just demonstrated that over years, right? That this is where that idea comes from. And it's an incredible idea. And we shouldn't take it lightly, that he did this over thousands of years, over manuscripts that we find in the Dead Sea Scrolls or in caves, and we find it all over these places to build that evidence to show us that he would do anything throughout all history just for you, just for me. That's the heart of the shepherd. But I realized that there were still three practical obstacles that I struggled with personally in terms of embracing that heart of the shepherd. That there would be times when I realized that heart, and maybe on a Sunday morning we're worshiping and and I'm captivated by him, and I'm like, I'll gladly let you take me anywhere. And then on Monday, I'm on my commute to work, and something else kind of takes me a different direction, just like sheep going astray. And then Wednesday, I'm so distracted by something else, and Thursday, I'm thinking about something completely different. You know? And I realize that there are three kind of practical steps that help me to remember to put myself in a position for shepherding. And I realize that those three obstacles for me was one, pride. I know it's hard to say, but pride is very much real in my life. And um, especially this mental pride of feeling like I had everything figured out, that I had a plan for my life, and I was going to do it. I was going to go this direction. You know, a, a way that this kind of uh, played out in, in uh, Church in the City, actually, was when I was first coming to Church in the City, I had to choose between two different jobs. And I felt years ago that God was calling me to kind of do medical missions and to go into different areas that people would receive doctors, but they wouldn't receive missionaries. And I felt that this was a way that God could open up areas for the, the preaching of the gospel. So I was like, okay, I'm going to do that, and I'm going to head that direction. And so after my training, I was presented with two options. And one option was working at Rush University, where it was a part-time position, 
and I would have seven or eight weeks or something to go abroad and to do missions trips and come back. And I was like, God, this checks all of the boxes on the list. I can do this. I can outwork that plan, and it makes sense. I'm going to do it. I'm going to do this for you, God. I'm going to do this for you. <laughs> and I was, I was so convinced and I was content, but I was like, you know what? I'm in a local church. This seems kind of cool. I'm, gonna, I, I, I'm getting some of this revelation, so I'm just going to meet with a couple of the elders, you know, just to kind of rubber stamp my plans, and it'll be great. And so I went, I went to Panera, and uh, I, I met with Steve Sudworth. You may have heard of him um, from like two minutes ago when he was up here, and, and uh, Mark Nelson. He also serves on the eldership. And we were sitting at uh, Panera eating our delicious sandwiches, and I was telling them my plan of, hey, this is what I'm going to do for God. And they were like, okay, well, but what's the other job? And I was like, oh, you know, it's like this kind of sort of like a startup where it's a private practice group and they want me to start something in hospitals. And I mean, it's very risky and, you know, I, there's no guarantee that I'll be able to do medical relief trips. And, and they were like, oh, tell us more about this. And I was like, uh, well, you know, you probably don't, well, okay, fine. But, you know, it's, it's this, it's in the western suburbs, it's far away, it's a long commute. And, but um, there's this opportunity to open up this, this area, treating people in the hospitals. And it's a private practice group, and um, this is kind of what I want to do. And they're like, you know, for some reason, we, we think that you should really think more about that opportunity. Just pray, pray more into that and see what God would reveal. And I was like, oh, but I've, I think God, didn't God already speak? I thought God already spoke to me. They're like, yeah, just, I mean, just pray again. Let's just see what happens, you know. I was like, oh, okay, all right. So I went back, and I was praying, and I was like, oh, hold on a second. God was kind of brought them to level with each other. I was like, wait a minute, it's not like this. It was, okay, it's like this. And I was uh, really wrestling with it. I was like, God, why would you even draw me to this other job? I mean, this seems so worldly. Why would I go to a private practice? Why would I do this? I mean, I'm trying to do this for you. And I was pacing back and forth. And my wife can tell you that I pace when I'm thinking. So I was pacing back and forth. And as I was pacing, um, the computer was open to my email. And I was just pacing. And I was like, God, you know, I don't normally ask for something, but can you just give me a sign? I just want a sign that I just want to do what you want for me. I know that your plans are higher than my plans, so just, just give me a sign. I, I, I know I shouldn't probably ask for a sign, but I, I want a sign. And, and as I was pacing and as I was saying that, I was walking this way to the computer, and an email popped up right at that minute. And it was from Rush University. And I was like, oh, well, here we go. It's probably Rush. And I clicked on the, the Rush University email, and the director of the program said, Matt, we would love to have you in our program. And I was like, I would love to be had. And, and then, I, then I kept reading. And the next line said, but there's just one thing. If you could give up medical missions trips, we would love to have you in this program. And during my interview, I went to great lengths to emphasize to them that I came to medicine to do these medical relief trips, that I was, I was going to be invested in Rush University, but you know, this, is, this was a call that I felt God had on my life. And I realized that she was trying to shepherd me in a different direction, you know. And at that moment, it made complete sense to me. I was going to take a step of faith with this other job, and it's been great, and it was much better than I could have ever imagined. And I thank God for that, that God was shepherding, and he did it despite me. But still, many times after that, I, I realized that this is something that's common to men and women, right? That we, we have our plans, and we do it in, for God instead of just asking God what his plans are. And it's so easy to go down that way. It's so easy to be led astray. Things that sound good can easily lead me into the wilderness where I would be stuck, right? And then the second thing that 
that kind of was an obstacle for me was mistrust. You know, there's something about our society, and, and I love America, by the way. I'm, I'm not ba- this is not America bashing. I mean, all societies struggle with different things, but, but something that I, I feel like I picked up was this mistrust for authority. That when people are in a position of authority, I just have a natural like, mistrust for them. I don't know what it is. It's actually, it's not healthy. I don't think it's healthy, but, you know, every time I look at the news, it's oh, this authority figure, he, he really did this, or that authority figure, gosh, why did they, they did this, this thing, you know? And I'm like, yeah, those authority figures doing this and that, and I was like, you know what, I'm, I'm Jason Bourne. I'm going to go my own direction, you know, and I'm going to be, I'm going to do my own thing, and, but when I, when I kind of, when I was starting to read more about the shepherd's heart and Whenever Jesus gets a hold of me, I realize, well, hold on a second, he's an authority figure in my life. He's the authority in my life. And me functioning in this way with authority figures in my life wasn't helping my relationship with Jesus in any way. I couldn't act one way, and then all of a sudden, now, God, I'm submitted to you in my whole heart. And that mistrust was kind of undermining what God was trying to do. And God gave me a picture, and maybe this is for you, but of sheep. And every year, as I was reading in my extensive research, I found that every year sheep produce between 10 and 40 pounds of, of wool. And that wool weighs them down. And I actually have a, a picture of this. <clears throat> and it weighs them down. And that, that wool is, I mean, 40 pounds of wool, I mean, it gets dirty and it gets in everything and you can't, can't even see straight because the wool is all in your eyes. And, and, and uh, there is these stories, and I digress a little bit, but in, Aust- in Australia... There are these, there are, every year there's a story of a sheep that like escapes, you know, and it's like big news for whatever reason, you know, and, and then a, a hiker finds him like six years later and they find the sheep and it's like this woolly sheep, you know, this woolly mammoth sheep of just like, like 90 pounds of wool and could barely survive in, on its own and, and they rescue it and then they, 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 they shear it, you know, and all of a sudden it looks totally different. It's like clean and it can see and it's light and it's free, Right. And, I mean, this is big news in Australia for whatever reason. <clears throat> but, but I, I mean, it caught my attention. It caught my attention. And, and I realized that, that so often that I'm just like that sheep, you know. I kind of go into the world and I, I get burdened by, by things. I put things on myself that God never intended to put on me. I get dirty. I get roll around the mud. And, and God is just trying to release me from that, you know. He's just trying to take the weight off. And I felt like some, some people here today may feel this incredible weight, this weight of trying to be perfect, trying to do all the right things for God, trying to try not to let him down. And all God is trying to do is take those burdens off you. You know, because as the Bible says in Matthew, his yoke is light and easy to carry. So if you're feeling really burdened down, that's probably not from God. Right? And I had this picture, right, as I was thinking of that, that, so much of my mistrust was feeling like a sheep being led to the slaughter, but God was a sheep, was guiding me like a sheep to the shearer, that he was trying to unburden me, and I was so worried about him slaughtering me. I mean, I don't even know what I could give to God, right? What, what would he even slaughter me for? I mean, why, why would he even do that, you know? I mean, I, I have nothing to offer him, you know? And, and so I, you know, I, I realized how ridiculous my thinking was, you know, and, but Again, the world was kind of shepherding me in that, that direction, and, but God was just trying to make me free. And that's my experience. That every time I've come to God, he's always freed me. Every single time, I've always felt lighter. I've always been amazed by his incredible tenderness and love for me and each one of us. 
And all of a sudden, that mistrust just seems silly. And then the, the final thing that kind of practically was, was holding me down was fear. I just was just afraid. I don't know why I was afraid, but I was just afraid that, that God was going to do I don't even know what he was going to do. But freak me out, I guess, you know? And, and I think one, one of the ways, like, just another little story that I have to share with you is I have, I have these stories to share. So I'm like that crazy uncle who has all these stories, and you're like, okay, okay, that's fine, that's nice, you know? And so the story was I, I first came to church in the city, and I grew up in a church that uh, was very liturgical. And so I had no experience with, the, like, the gifts of God or anything like that. In fact, I had gone to like, 16 different churches before coming to church in the city, 16, I know, 16 different churches, and yeah, I know, yeah, I get around, I got around, yeah, and uh, it's actually not, it's not a badge of honor, but I, for whatever reason, I'm taking credit for that, but I went to, like, Baptist churches, Methodist, Presbyterian, Catholic, uh, you know, Pentecostal churches, and all these different things, and I went to some churches where they were, the gifts were being used, but it was in this way that, like, I didn't feel, really feel safe, I was like, man, gifts are just flying around, and I was like, dodging gifts, you know? And I was like, what? <laughs> you know, people were like speaking in tongues here and like prophesying there. And I was like, is this for me? Or is it, what, what is this for, you know? Like, I, I've told this story to s- some people, but I went to this one conference and I went into the church and someone like took their finger and put it in my belly and said, pew! And I was like, what, what was that? I don't understand. And they were like, oh, I just released something. You're welcome. And then walked away. I'm like, by the way, my name's Matt. No? You don't care. Okay, fair enough. And, and so I had seen the gifts being used in that way. And so I would, when people are talking about gifts, I just immediately am kind of like on my back foot. Like, wait, what, what are you trying to do here? Are you trying to lead me to the slaughter here? I mean, is, what, is this, what is this all about? And I realized that there's safety with, in church government and governmental authority, Right? And I think part of seeing that safety is the heart that we see in Matthew nine thirty six, That when, he, when Jesus said, when he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless, like sheep without a shepherd. And his response to that, people being harassed with sheep without the shepherd, was to anoint the 12 disciples in Matthew ten one, He gave them authority to drive out impure spirits and to heal every disease and sickness. So that was his response, was the gifts, not for them, but for the people who needed those gifts. He didn't give it so the 12 disciples could say, hey, I'm a disciple now, or I'm an apostle, I can do this and I can do that. They tried to do that. They did to credit for that. They were, they were rejoicing that they could drive out demons. And he was like, don't rejoice that you're driving out demons. Rejoice that you're in the book of life. All right? And then later, and we see this in Luke, that those same disciples who were anointed powerfully, right? They were, they were going from village to village with Jesus. And they came to a Samaritan village. And Samaritans and Jews were at odds. And so the Samaritan village was like, hey, we don't want you, know, you Jews coming into our village. And so James and John came to Jesus and said, Lord, should we call out fire from heaven to destroy this village? And Jesus was like, what? What, what are you talking about? Are you serious? I didn't give you this gift so you could like burn people or do all these kinds of things. I mean, and he rebuked them, you know? And, and the gifts, they actually need governmental authority for the safety of people, right? It's so easy. I know I, if I was 
you know, this incredible prophet or anything like that without having a heart for God, without having Jesus' heart to shepherd people, I would, I would get weird. You know, I would, I would go and be doing some weird stuff, you know, wearing some flowing robes and calling myself X, Y, or Z, or I don't even know, you know, what I would do. I would grow a beard if I could grow a beard, you know. If I could, I can't. It's embarrassing, but I cannot. <clears throat> and, but I realize that the church government, the governmental authority that he gives to individual people through eldership and delegated through deacons is for our safety so that we have a safe environment. And I can't think in the last eight years, one time that someone has had a prophetic word that's embarrassed someone, that has made them ashamed, that's put them on the spot. I can't think of one time when someone prayed for healing and they you know, pushed them over. Or I don't even know what they would do, you know? But every time people walked away, hopefully knowing that God loved them, that God cared for them, that whether they were healed or not, that there was a Savior that cared about them. And they could walk away knowing that, that heart of, of the shepherd. And that heart comes from governmental authority. It comes because those are the, the banks that we have so the river can flow. That the more we have governmental authority and the more we embrace that, the more we can have gifts for our own safety. And I think we see that in John 21. And we see that as, as Jesus gives some of his governmental authority to Peter, right? Jesus is constantly displaying governmental authority, and I kind of gloss over it. When Jesus heals someone, I'm paying attention. When he's, like, rebuking his disciples, I'm like, okay, that's, that's kind of awkward, you know, watching someone rebuke someone else. But, you know, but we see him imparting some of that governmental authority in John 20, 21. So Peter, he had just spent three and a half years with Jesus. He said, I would, I would die for you, Jesus. I would do anything for you. And Jesus looked at him and said, before the day is done, you will deny me three times. And then he did. He denied the Savior of all the universe, that revelation that he had three times. And then it said, the Bible says, he wept bitterly. And after that, he went back to fishing. And he was on his boat fishing, and he called other, some of the other disciples with him. And they had fished all night, and they didn't catch anything. And then there was a man on the shore who said, why don't you cast your net over on the right side? And he did, and there was a large catch of fish that they caught. And this is how Jesus called Peter early in his ministry. We see that in, in uh, Luke, that when he first was meeting Jesus, he had fished all night and he didn't catch anything. And Jesus said, why don't you cast your net over? And he said, I've been fishing all night. There's no, there's no fish here. And he caught this large catch. And that's how Jesus got his attention. And when that happened, the disciple who Jesus loved said, it's the Lord. It's Jesus on the sideline. And Peter couldn't wait for the ship to go those hundred yards to shore. He put on his cloak and he just jumped into the water. And he swam because he could not wait those extra few minutes to be with his Savior. And, and as he was sitting next to him by the fire, eating fish, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, he said. You know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my lambs. Again, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He answered, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said, take care of my sheep. The third time he said, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was hurt because Jesus asked him three times, this third time, do you love me? And Peter said, Lord, you know all things, you know that I love you. And Jesus said, feed my sheep. 
It's good to be a sheep. Feed my lambs, take care of my sheep, feed my sheep. God's heart is passionate for us. It's passionate for you, it's passionate for me, and thank God that he is. Because that gives me hope, that gives me a future, that gives me a plan and a purpose much greater than my plans and my purposes. It's much greater than the world's plan for your life. Much good than your parents or your, your boss's job plan for your life. This God of all the universe that sits on the throne has a plan and a purpose for your life and wants you to be safe and secure, fed, well-watered, have rivers of living water, not be burdened in any way, but to step into those incredible plans that he has for you. He's put incredible gifts within you that maybe you've denied because you just are afraid of what that could mean. It can only mean good things. He didn't put it there to hurt you, but to help you. So just to, just to recap, there are three kind of main points that, that I thought God had for us. Realize we're sheep, have a revelation of the great shepherd, recognize the under-shepherds in, in the church through elders, governmental authority, and delegated through deacons within the church. And I felt like that was something to embrace. And I don't say that because I serve on eldership. I say that because of the heart of God, because of what the Bible shares. But I can tell you that in elders' meetings, I've seen the elders pray for people with tears in their eyes, intercede with passion for one another, share about the burdens that you carry, and desire to carry those burdens with you. That heart doesn't come from themselves. We can't gin that up. I can't just create that, that way of thinking. But it comes because God has given that gift. And the way that that practically became clear to me was when I was set in an eldership last year, actually almost a year to the day. And I had read these verses, and I had done my fancy book learning about eldership, and, and I, um, Steve gave me packets to read, and I, I read 80% of those packets. <laughs> Maybe 85, Steve. Maybe 85, okay. I just want to come clean, Steve. I just want to come clean, you know. Just come clean, so... I'm not going to be burdened by that any longer. <laughs> but, I, you know, at, but the time that it really set in and the time that it really made sense to me was when Terry Kruger, who some of you may know, was actually setting me into eldership. And I was standing here, and I felt like I was being married or getting married again, you know. And I, I had never felt that somberness or that weight of the calling other than the time that I was married. And Terry Kruger said, Matthew, do you take this church to um, be the flock that you shepherd? Do you, do you promise to lay down your life for the flock? To care and to tend for them uh, over your own needs? And I said, I do. And then he looked to the church, you, and he said, do you agree to take this man as your shepherd? To follow his direction, to submit to his authority, to help him, to build him up instead of tear him down? And the church said, I do, in one voice. And it just came upon me like this water rushing over me, that this is serious, and this is a real thing. And the weight of that call just became blatantly clear to me, that one day I will answer for how I shepherd in this church. And that fills me with terror, but a hopeful terror, because with it has come grace to lead gently as the Father would try to lead. Not of my strength, but 
by whatever strength that he would give. We hold his treasures in jars of clay, as it says in 2 Corinthians. So we don't say it to lord over anybody. And just so we're clear, I have no benefit from shepherding you. I'm not, there's, you're not being led to the slaughter. I have, I have nothing to gain from shepherding. To giving up nights and weekends is not a, a, a sacrifice, but it's a joy and a privilege because of what God does. Because I've seen him work in your lives in powerful and real ways. Just to have a front row seat to see what God is doing is incredible. And I believe there are people here who will one day be deacons and elders in either this church or another church. And to just embrace that call. And the first step to stepping into that call is to allowing yourselves to be led. And to see the safety that comes from governmental authority. To embrace it. Not as something to be abused, but as something to set people free and to be a part of that. So remember those three obstacles. Pride, mistrust, fear. And if that's something that you struggle with, bring it to the Lord. Bring it to Jesus. You know, don't take my word for it. I've tried to keep this talk, this non-TED talk, as, <laughs> as biblical as possible, just to share the heart that God has for each of us and to share that word with you guys today. And so if you feel God talking at your heart, if you feel like something is being stirred in you, go with it. Don't resist that. Allow God to do that even more. And I just want to end today just by, by praying for us. And if we, could, um, if we could bow our heads, I'll just ask in this safe environment where every eye is bowed, bowed that if anyone here has, does not know Jesus, does not know this incredible shepherd, this Lamb of God that has laid down his life for us, that was pierced for our transgressions, that bled so that we could be healed, if you don't know that God, I, I encourage you to get to know him, to open up your hearts to God. I feel his heart is to, to just bring you to that greater knowledge of him, to set you free, to help you know that love, that incredible love that we can't manufacture ourselves. And so if there's anyone here who wants to know that love of Jesus, feel free to raise your hand so that I can lead you in a prayer. If there's anyone here while every eye is closed in the safe environment, you can raise your hand and I would love to pray with you today. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for your heart for us. Thank you for your words that, that pierce our hearts. Your words that bring gentle conviction, Lord. Not to embarrass us, Lord. Not to you know, publicly rebuke us or anything of that nature. But just to bring us to more. Your heart for us to, to lead us to that incredible, wonderful relationship with you, Lord whether it was this dramatic event when we first knew you, whether it was being at our wit's end where we came to just see you, Father, whether it was feeling so burdened that, you needed, that we needed to be freed, whether it was in youth ministry or groundbreakers where just a gentle word from a teacher instilled this love and desire to know you more. Lord, I acknowledge that I have gone astray and that we've all gone astray. But thank you, Father, for laying down your life for us, for leaving the 99 to find that one lost sheep, and bringing us together, Lord. Thank you that we don't have it all figured out and we don't need to. Thank you that you give us hope and a future. And you call us to much more than we could call, be called together. We thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen.
Thanks again for listening. You can always check out more messages at churchinthecity.us or on iTunes.